Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. And uh, good morning to our friends on Facebook. Uh, you guys might not know this, but we uh, video cast our worship service on Facebook on our site. And, and we've got a lot of people, when they aren't able to make it, they'll join us that way. So my guess is, given that we uh, have about a quarter of our normal attendance this morning, there's a lot of you watching on Facebook. And we're glad that they can do that. Uh, all you hearty souls who are getting by on six hours of sleep or less, I'm glad you're here with us this morning. Um, we're taking this morning to step out of our normal series. We're in a series in the Old Testament, and, and also we've, we're in a series, an Advent, of course. Uh, we are in a, uh, today just looking at the issue of Sunday worship. wanted to take this day, the first Sunday of the new year, uh, to talk about this a little bit, just because it's a good New Year's topic, uh, an idea of what do we do when we come together on Sundays? What, what's the point? What's our goal? What's happening? But also we are planning as a church to uh, add some changes, slight changes, to our order of worship, kind of what we do when we worship together on Sunday. So I want to explain why we're doing that, why we're making those changes, where they're rooted in scripture and so forth. So it's to accomplish that, but also to strengthen us in what's going on here on Sunday mornings. Uh, a really important topic. So you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 14. I'll be in the book of Corinthians this morning, so I could spend time going throughout the whole Bible on this topic, but really want to be in Corinthians because Corinthians teaches us a lot about uh, what we are to do when we're called together. But let me pray first and ask God before we get into that, before we read the verse, uh, just to bless our time, to give us eyes to see his truth. Um, that he would be glorified in it, and he would transform us by his word. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that when we want to know what we should do in the things that you call us to as a church, we don't have to guess. We can go to your word. Your word teaches us and instructs us and, and leads us, and it enlivens us, too. Thank you, Lord, that your word is living and active. It's, it comes in, and, and, and it animates us changes us and leads us. And so I ask you, Lord, our God, this morning as we talk about your scripture, as we talk about these truths, would you come and be with us? Would you enliven us? Would you guide us in your ways? Would you help me to serve your people with your word as well, Lord? We look to you. We love you, Lord. We love your ways. So visit us through the proclamation of your word, we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to start with one verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. And in that verse it says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. This verse is a verse in a long discussion that the Apostle Paul has been having about Sunday worship. He's addressing the church in Corinth because they had a lot of issues, a lot of problems with Sunday worship. We touched on one of those during communion. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, they were having trouble understanding communion. They were having trouble in lots of ways. They were having trouble in uh, decorum, how to dress and act on Sundays. They were having trouble understanding the function of spiritual gifts. So we're, perhaps you've studied this discussion of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians. The context for that discussion is really Sundays. What what you're to do with those gifts on Sundays. So Paul's been talking about that in that discussion. 
the, the idea of the gifts, all the gifts, the gifts of tongues and prophecy. And, and so he's had this long discussion, really even starting in the very beginning of uh, 1 Corinthians, about who the church is and what's the nature of the church and how that influences what you do when you come together. So when he says in verse 26 of chapter 14, what then, brothers? He's really saying, in light of all that we've been talking about, in light of all these issues, in light of all these things, what then, brothers? What, what do we do when we come together? What does it look like to come together on Sundays? And that's a really important question. That's a question really to ask ourselves. And, and I think perhaps we don't always do that. We assume a lot about Sunday worship. We assume a lot about what we do. Yeah, we always do that. Yeah, we sing, you know, four songs and do some announcements and take a break and hear the message or whatever church backgrounds you might have, often we just assume that's just how we do it. Without asking the question, what then, in light of Scripture, what then should we do? There's a lot of ideas that are out there about Sundays and what we do on Sundays. Check out this one example from uh, uh, that John MacArthur cites, Pastor John MacArthur, uh, from an article from the Los Angeles Times. It reported on one Lutheran church in Southern California that distributes flyers advertising their church services as, quote, God's country good time hour. That's what they're doing on Sunday. God's country good time hour. The, the flyers boldly promise line dancing following worship. And according to the article, the pastor is dancing too, decked out in Wrangler boots and Levi's. And he credits this campaign with revitalizing his church. The article describes Sunday morning at the church. It says, members listen to sermons whose topics include the pastor's 1970 Ford pickup and Christian sex rated R for relevance, respect, and relationship, says the pastor, and more fun than it sounds. After the service, they dance to a band called, what else? The Honky Tonk Angels. Attendance has been steadily rising. Now, we may never be tempted to do line dancing after a Sunday uh, church service. <laughs> but we can be tempted to alter what we do on Sundays in some way that's not biblical if we don't ask the question, what then? What then in light of Scripture? What are we to do? What are we doing on Sundays? What's the purpose? And I would submit to you that there are a lot of ideas about Sunday mornings that are out there that are just slightly off. And if we're not careful, they'll influence us, our expectations on Sundays, and what we do on Sundays. And we'll end up, if they're slightly off, slightly missing the mark of what God wants. We'll displease the Lord. We'll be less effective in accomplishing God's purposes and less fruitful. Sundays are such an important time for the church. Coming together is really the place where we experience and express who we are in probably the most significant way of the whole week. The rest of the week matters much, for sure. But Sundays are so important. And if we get Sundays wrong, I submit to you, we get church wrong. We get the whole idea of what it is to be a church and be God's people wrong if we get Sundays wrong. So asking that question with Paul and answering it biblically, what then, is really important. So what I want to do this morning is just go through 1 Corinthians a bit and talk about what we learn about Sunday worship, what we learn about who we are when we come together, what is the purpose, what are we doing. I'll tell you up front what I believe Scripture teaches us. We gather together on Sundays to celebrate and experience what it means to be God's people. Simply, that's what it is. We gather together 
to celebrate and experience what it means to be his people. And we do that in different ways. We build each other up. We encounter and worship God. We bless and reach our friends, our non-believing friends. We do all those things in that context. Those are things we do, but ultimately it's to come together to celebrate and experience what it means to be his people. We do all those things through a biblically ordered meeting as well. So I think you have notes that, that uh, detail those five different points. We'll go through them and try to do it succinctly if we can. But first, we gather together as God's people. Paul says, what, what then, brothers, when we come together, when we gather together, what do we do? Well, we gather together. That's the first thing, right? We come together. We come together on Sundays. That, and that seems kind of like, of course, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Why are you saying that? Well, it's, should, it's not always understood and practiced. We can be part of a church and actually not come together. We cannot gather with God's people. We can neglect gathering. And gathering together is a really important part of belonging to God's people. Gathering together as a local church. We can't assume it because it doesn't happen. To belong to a church is to be, to be part of that body and to, to be the, the metaphor of the body. Uh, it, we see in 1 Corinthians, the church is called the body of Christ. We are his body. And the metaphor is more than a metaphor. It's a reality. We are the very body of Christ. That's a mystery that's hard to understand. We are so united with him that, that we are connected to him in that way. But we're also put in the body with different functions, different gifts. We are different members of the body. We all have different gifts. And we are to be united. We are to operate and function together. Mike was talking about that a little bit during the announcements. So we come together and we function together. We're joined together. We, we experience that unity, that togetherness on Sundays. And so the first thing is that when we come together, we come together. And we need to understand that this is fundamental to who we are. Being together on Sundays is fundamental to who we are as the body of Christ. We're not to be a dismembered body. A dismembered body is something you see on a horror show, right? Those are not good things. We don't like to look at dismembered bodies. We're not to be a dismembered body. We're to be together. And Sundays is when we come together in the most significant way during the week. Sometimes people would kind of diminish the importance of Sundays. You know, it doesn't matter whether you come on Sundays. It's just about being part of a church. And I would say, no, that's, that's, that's a false dichotomy. You, it matters tremendously about being together on Sundays. That's what it means to be part of a church. Unless there are overwhelming reasons for you, like maybe you're, you're going to lose your job or whatever if you, if you you know, if you, don't, if you don't work on Sundays or something like that, unless there's some major reason, you should be coming together. We should be coming together on Sundays. Yes, there are things that we're, we do occasionally, and it's not a problem if you've got an event and so forth, um, to not be there on a particular Sunday. But it's a contradiction to not be eager to come together, to be with God's people, to, to be together, to be the body, to come together on Sundays. It's who we are. And we need to understand that Sundays are an expression of our identity. And I would say that that's the fundamental thinking and truth behind Sunday mornings. It's about being who we are. Yes, there are things we seek to accomplish in that, but those are secondary. Primarily, we are God's people. We are his temple, 1 Corinthians 3, 17 says. It says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? We are his temple. What's the temple? 
It's a place where God dwelt. It's where his people came and experienced and encountered God. It's the dwelling place of God. It's, it's an amazing truth that being the temple, the e eternal, infinite, glorious God who, who dwells in unapproachable light, we can't behold him. He dwells with us. He dwells in the temple. In the Old Testament temple, it was actually a building. The New Testament temple is a body of believers. It's people. It's us. And we are that generally, of course, during the week and all, uh, in all that we do. We are the place where God abides. He abides in us individually and corporately. But especially when we come together on Sundays, God is here with us. We are the temple. This is where we walk it out, where we experience being the temple. God dwells with us. We are the living stones put in the temple, assembled by God. A place for the Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, to dwell Guys, when we come together on Sundays, it's not just like-minded people coming together to talk about stuff they like to talk about. It's people coming together as the temple for God himself to dwell with us on Sundays. That's what's going on when we worship, when we pray, when we hear the word, when we respond to the word, when we fellowship together. God is here. When we practice the sacraments, communion, he's with us. He's present here. We are his temple. That's a glorious privilege, a wonderful truth, so important for us to ground our understanding and practice of Sunday's in. We are his body as well. That's a profound truth. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We're not just followers of Christ. We're not just believers in Christ. We're not just Christians coming together. We are the very body of Christ. We are united with him and united together. We are a part of him in an intimate and inextricably a connected way. We are his very body. He takes diverse people from diverse backgrounds, diverse situations, diverse gifts, diverse cultures and ethnicities, and he unites them through his cross, through the, his blood shed on the cross. He brings us, he reconciles us to God through faith in his death and resurrection, and he brings us together with one another. We're his body. We're his people. There's not a more profound group of people on this planet than his body, his overall body and his body expressed in local churches. There's no more important gathering in the whole world throughout the whole week than when his people come together. That includes us here at King of Grace, among all of his people. We are the body of Christ. That's so important to understand, and I want to start with that. Because there are things we're called to do, and I'm going to get into that. But we have to ground Sundays in our identity. It's about coming together as God's people. Celebrating and experiencing what it means to be his people. It's first about identity. And if we don't get that, we're going to struggle with Sundays. We're going to overemphasize what we do. Now, we want to be excellent in what we do. But we'll overemphasize what we do if we don't ground ourselves in identity. And, and I think we get this, right? Families, right? When, we, when we're together as a family... I don't know if you guys have family meals or did growing up having a family meal. When you sit around as a family in those family meals, you know, and, and the food gets served, is, does anyone say, you know, mom and dad, what exactly are we doing here? What are we seeking to accomplish in this family meal? Uh, mom, what's the nutritional value of this casserole? Can we have a list here to know, like, what, what, what's in the casserole here, mom? Um, you know, dad, what are you hoping to accomplish as a family? You know, what's, what's your mission statement as a family, you know? Dad, if, if we no longer existed as a family in this neighborhood, would this neighborhood miss us, Dad? Would they miss us somehow? I mean, what's our goal? Are we, how are we reaching our neighbors, Dad? 
What, what, what's the plan? What, what, what's this year going to look like? What are, what are our expectations? How are we developing future leaders for this family, Dad? What, what, Mom, Dad, what, what, what are we doing? Do you do that at the family table? No, it seems silly, right? Why? Well, the, those are all good questions for a family, right? I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with any of those questions. They're all good questions. But you guys understand, as a family, you're a family first. And then you do all that stuff second. You intuitively get it. You understand that the, the basic indivisible unit of society is the family. And you intuitively understand what a family is. It's these people connected biologically, but in a fundamental way. We're, we're family. We, we're joined to each other. We're this relational unit. And, and we do things from who we are, but we're first a family. We get that, right? It's the same thing with the church. Guys, I am concerned because I believe the American drive for excellence has infected the church. And we treat church as business in a way that's foreign to the scriptures. And so when we come on Sundays, we're thinking, well, what are we doing and how well we're doing it more than anything else? Instead, we should be thinking, wow, we belong to God. <laughs> and we belong to each other. Look what God has done. Look at who we are in him. Isn't his grace wonderful? Isn't it glorious that he visits us and he dwells with us? That truth needs to be the most dominant truth in what we understand and practice on Sundays. Yes, there are things indeed that we do as well in this. We come together to build each other up. That's an important part of what we do. Flowing from who we are, we seek to build each other up. In 1 Corinthians 14, when Paul says, what then, brothers? He goes on to say, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things, things be done for building up. All these gifts and all these elements of worship are focused on, among other things, building the body up. Strengthening the body, encouraging the body, building the body up in truth, making the body more and more like Christ. And when we come together, we're to use all of our gifts and the, the various gifts that we have to build each other up. It's to be a corporate experience together. We are to use our gifts. It's, it's, it's not like a concert where we sit and listen. It's not a sporting event where we sit and watch others perform. It's more like a symphony that we're all in. We all have an instrument to play. And we play together. And we build each other up together as we as we practice our instruments and improve our instruments and participate with our instruments on Sunday. That's the picture here of how the gifts work. This context of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and all these gifts operating is for the whole body to come together to use all their gifts to support each other, to build each other up in light of who they are as the body, to do this together. Each one should have a contribution. Now in that verse 26, it says when you uh, come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be, be done for building up. Paul is speaking of, of the more public gifts on a Sunday. And he's not meaning to say everybody has a public gift, that everybody has to have a lesson. Everybody needs to get up and we all need to take a turn preaching on a Sunday. Everyone will come up and you know, give their different message for the week. That's not what he's saying. That would be very interesting to do that on a Sunday. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying each one who has, the assumption is, has these sorts of gifts and serves in this way in the church is to come with these things. And one of those gifts is a lesson, but also it's a hymn. Each one has a hymn. 
There's singing. There's singing of hymns together. There's people who have gifts in singing and gifts in song. They lead us all to sing together. A revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. The, the gifts need to operate. And it would take a separate message to address that. But we believe that the gifts are for today. And they have a role in corporate worship today when properly exercised and building up. We have a prophetic uh, ministry team that's being trained and seeking to operate in prophetic ministry so that those gifts come alongside in, in all the appropriate ways. But you might not have a, a, a gift to give publicly. I think most of us could have a gift to give publicly. It may not be a teaching gift. It may not be a song. But it could just be a testimony or a prayer. One of the things that we're doing in our new order of service is we're making time intentionally every week to have corporate prayer or a testimony or a pastor-led prayer or a testimony every week. So we are uh, going to make time for that. I'll show you the, the order of service in a little bit so you can see that. And there'll be a, a host pastor leading that particular service. His job will be to contact people ahead of time to have people come up and share testimonies. We want to hear what God's doing. We want to hear your testimony of how he's been working in your life, how you've seen the word of God come true and be true in your life. So all of us have something to give, and there's lots of ways to serve. We are to build each other up in these gifts. It's a team effort. It's not, it's not entertainment. Now right now, in my gift, I'm called to pastor the the office of pastor. I'm called to pastor and proclaim God's word. And so you're listening, and that's what you should be doing, hopefully, listening. Uh, so it may seem like it's, it's about me, but this isn't all that we do, right? We come together in, in, in our whole time and do other things together. So it's not meant to be a, a kind of, I sit here and I'm entertained, entertain me. Um, it's a team effort. It's all of us coming together with all of our different gifts. Football coach Bud Wilkinson described a football game as 50,000 people who desperately need exercise watching 22 people who desperately need to rest. And I think sometimes we can view Sundays as that. I come to watch others perform, but it's not to be that. We are all to come with a gift to give in some way, and there's lots of ways to do that. Mike, again, was mentioning some of those, just helping with your gifts, serving. Uh, and we have, we have more things to do on a Sunday than we have people to do them, by the way. So if you're not doing something, if you're not part of the team effort, let me or one of our leaders or really anybody in the church, let them know. We'll find something for you to do. Uh, this morning we were straightening chairs out. We need somebody to come in and, and help straighten and set up chairs and clean things in, in the morning. It was, it was Mike and I doing it. I don't mind doing it. I'll do any job here. I'm glad to serve God's people on a Sunday. But it would make more sense to have someone else who would love to do that and can do that to take care of the chairs and do setup. So that's just one example. There's many. And many of you already do serve. Thank you for how you serve. But we are all to come to, to serve, to give our gifts. We're not to be in the stands watching. We're not to be the 50,000 who desperately need exercise, watching the 22 or less who need to rest. It's a team sport. And we're all to be involved. So for you, how are you in the game? How are you in the, on the field serving? How can you serve? And again, thank you to many of you who already do serve. But that's, we're called to all use our gifts to edify, to build up. Next, we are called to use these gifts to build up each other. Why? So we might experience God. That's 
kind of goes back to our basic identity, but it is also something we seek to do. We seek to experience God and to worship Him. We come to worship God. Worshiping God means we, we account worth to Him. We, we give Him worth. We say, God, You're great. You're good. We focus our attention and our admiration and our thanksgiving on God. And it's fitting to do that. That's the very best thing we could do. That's the very best experience we could ever have is to behold God in His goodness and glory and to enjoy Him and to worship Him and put Him in the right place in our own minds and hearts. That's what we do on Sundays. We come together to experience and worship Him. And so in 1 Corinthians, you can see this theme running throughout the whole letter where Paul is emphasizing to the Corinthians that, guys, when you come together, it's a holy moment. God is with you. There's a sobriety. There should be celebration in that too. But there's a weight to Sunday worship. We come to be in the presence of God. God himself dwells with us. We worship him. We experience him. And so throughout the letter, you can study the letter and see all the ways this happens. You heard earlier where I was in communion, speaking about the experience in communion. When they experience communion, the Lord is with them in a profound way. And they are abusing that, right? They're treating Sundays as, hey, this is just like a, a meal. I'm just going to eat my food. I'm hungry. I don't care about what's going on. I don't care about celebrating communion. I don't care about my brothers and sisters who need to eat. I'm just going to go do my own thing. And what's happening, Paul says, is some of you are getting sick. Some of you are dying. It's heavy judgment on this church who's treating their worship service as just a flippant thing. Instead of understanding, God is with you. And so there's this sense of, of God's presence in the sacrament of communion, but it's in the whole time. There's other things in Corinthians that speak of these truths. In chapter 5, Paul's speaking of a, a church discipline situation. There's a member of the church who's really gone off the rails, and, and they are thinking, hey, well, it's okay, you know. Grace is, grace is a wonderful, and so we're just going to tolerate this thing. Paul says, no! You're going to be a holy people. Yes, grace is powerful. Grace is indeed able to rescue that person, but they need to be rescued, not left in their state. So you need to discipline them. You need to basically put them out of the church as members. Let them know that they're, they're, no, they're no longer to be considered a member so that they might repent and come back and turn back to the Lord. And he says in the context in verse uh, chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, I'll just read it. It says, When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So they're told, when you're together, the power and authority of Jesus is with you. And you are together to, to turn this man over to, the, to Satan, to put him out that he might no longer be protected by the blessing of the church, that he might experience really the consequences of his choices with the hope that he'll come to his senses and say, what am I doing? And come back. But that happens when they're together. There's authority. Jesus is with them. There's power in a real way. So Paul says, when you're together, do this. Because why? When you're together, God is with you and you operate in authority. That's what's going on on Sundays, guys. 1 Corinthians 14 as well. It's another little insight into this reality of God being with us. We're encountering and worshiping Him. 1 Corinthians 14, 24-25. Paul's teaching on prophecy and he's teaching on the effect it has on those who don't yet know the Lord, your friends who are with you in church. By the way, I'll talk about that. Your church is always understood as a place for friends to come and experience God. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 24-25, 
But if all prophesy and an unbeliever, outsider enters, he's convicted by all. He's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Operation of the gift of prophecy, rightly done, has an effect on visitors in such a way that they will worship God. They will be rescued and converted, given new life and come to be worshipers and say, God is truly among you, surely among you. So Sundays are about God being with us and worshiping Him and experiencing Him with us. Does that make sense? Because we can make Sundays about other things. I want us to see that the experience and worship of God is, is there at the core in what we do. So when we come on Sundays, that should be our expectation. I'm going to meet with God, with his people. I'm going to encounter God. He's going to be among us, and I'm going to experience God. That should be what we think on Sundays. That should be what we pray for and expect. When you go to a concert by your favorite artist, why do you go? Do you go to a concert, whatever your favorite artist might be? I, I mean, it could be anything. All sorts of, I know there's all sorts of musical tastes out there, the whole range. Um, I probably am a little more, actually I like everything, but I went to a George Winston concert a little while back. I loved it. Why did I go to that concert? Did I go for the concession food? No. Did I go because I had that snazzy new Christmas outfit I wanted to wear and show to everybody? No, I don't have it. Actually, I do have some nice Christmas clothes. I don't have any on right now, but. Do you go to a concert to see the people? You know, you just, I just love George Winston fans. They're the best. I love to be with them. I don't know how I'd describe George Winston fans. They'd be mellow, wouldn't they? And they'd wear flannel all the time. But, um, do you like just kind of going in a room jam-packed full of people? You just like that experience? And you, know, you like holding up your, your, your phone and stuff and doing that stuff? Is that why you go? No! You go to a concert. Why? To hear your favorite singer sing. You go to encounter that person's gift who they are at the concert. That's what Sundays are like. We go to Sundays, we come together. Why? Because the very favorite person, the most glorious person in the world, dwells with his people. We come to see him together as his church. That's so important to get, guys. And, and it's perhaps more relevant than we understand. You see, back in the Reformation, the early days of the Reformation, the Reformation was that time in the 1500s when the church kind of rediscovered the Word. The Word had been there, and there have been people certainly who had been influenced by the Word of God, but it had kind of lost its place in the church. And so the Reformation is when they rediscovered the, the power and the authority and the importance of the Word. And so they kind of had to rethink church a little bit, because they were doing different things. As they read the Word, they were like, huh, that, that seems a little different than what we're doing. And so the leaders were kind of wrestling through what they believe the Bible teaches about Sundays. Same thing we're talking about today. And there were two prominent leaders who slightly disagreed. And this is really important. It, 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 maybe you don't like history and you think, oh, this is boring. Actually, it has a lot of impact on us. These two prominent leaders were both from Switzerland, both reformers. One was named uh, Ulrich Zwingli, Zwingli <laughs> and the other was John Calvin. And, and they were both leaders in, in Switzerland. And Zwingli uh, studied the word, and he decided that he believed that Sundays were primarily about building Christians up. Primarily about building Christians up. It was about coming together and edifying people. That's what Sundays are about. And so he designed a Sunday worship built around the sermon. 
And that it was about teaching people from the Word and equipping them and building them up. And that's really what it was all about. And everything else was kind of minor, secondary, or maybe not even that important at all. And that was Zwingli's view on Sunday worship. Well, his view actually has become the predominant view of Western uh, evangelicalism, Protestantism. That Sundays are about edifying the saints. John Calvin had a slightly different view. He certainly did believe it's about edifying the saints, and I think Scripture does teach that. But he believed that more fundamentally, it's about encountering and worshiping God as God's people. He believed that it was about identity, who we are, and then in that identity, about engaging God, encountering God. And so in his teaching, he taught, yes, indeed, let's have a sermon, because a sermon is an important part of engaging God, encountering God. But let's have these other elements too. Let's, let's see that they're all kind of on an equal plane together with the ultimate goal of expressing and experiencing who we are as God's people, as worshipers of God together. And so he designed his services slightly differently. Yes, it includes a sermon for sure. He's probably one of the best Bible scholars ever. Uh, his sermons are still to this day very valuable and helpful. But he also believed other elements needed to function alongside of that because they all come together. So prayer and reading of Scripture, weekly communion, he believed in. And I'm going to show you in a little bit that we, I am convinced by Calvin and by Scripture, more importantly, that it should be the exception not to have weekly communion rather than the rule. So Calvin believed that the sacrament of communion was an important part of encountering God. So all these things kind of lay alongside of each other with the goal of encountering God and His glory. Now that view didn't win out. And I would submit to you that much of the worship wars, as they're called, this whole uh, debate that's ongoing, what are Sundays about? And there's people saying, no, it's about reaching the lost. No, it's about edifying the people back and forth, back and forth. They're both wrong. It's about encountering God and worshiping God as his people. And as we do that, it includes edifying, building up. It includes reaching the lost. Those things are part of this. But ultimately, it's about who we are as his, as his people encountering and worshiping him. That's really important to get. Most importantly, because Scripture teaches it. But I, I hope understanding the history helps you understand kind of how we arrived where we are. And for us as an eldership, as we've wrestled with these things with Scripture, we've come to this understanding, you know what, I think Calvin was right. I think that's what Scripture does teach. So let's make some adjustments on Sundays. That's kind of the background to the changes I'll get to real quick. Uh, one other major point to cover. It's about who we are. It's about encountering God. It's about edifying one another. It's about reaching our friends as well. It's always must be about reaching our friends with the truth and love of Christ. It's not a prime goal, but it is a goal deeply attached to the very heart of God. If we're going to be encountering God, we know God's heart is to touch lives, to rescue people from darkness and bring them to light. This is who we are. This is who he is. And so it, when we come together, it's a natural part of any healthy body to be outwardly focused. I talked earlier about being the temple, right? You read the, the story of the temple. The temple was right in the middle of the city of Jerusalem, more or less. Jerusalem was right in the middle, geographically, more or less, of the country of, of Israel in the Old Testament. And Israel was more or less in the center of the world, at least the major powers at that time. And Jesus, when he uh, 
kicked out the merchants who were buying and selling in the temple grounds, he said, this, my father's house is a house of prayer for just Jewish people. House of prayer for all nations. The intent in the temple was to put the goodness of God on display among his people in such an attractive way that the nations would stream in and come there. That's the original intent. Now, they had made it a den of thieves. They had lost that mission. They had lost that understanding. They had been unfaithful. But God intended that the temple would be this place that was attractive to the nations. That's in various places in the Old Testament. And we are that temple. And we're called to, to put on display as we come together the goodness of God so that our friends would come and they would, they would taste and see for themselves that God is good. That they would, like in 1 Corinthians 14, say, surely God is among you. They would be drawn. This is God's, intemp this God's intention has always been his intention. It's who he is. It's what we're called to. It's natural. It's at the heart of God. So Sundays must always have that aspect. We must always be sensitive to the friend, the guest in our midst. Always seeking to love them as God does. To show them what God is like. And our love for one another. Right? We love one another so that all men will know we're his disciples. They'll say, wow, there's something different about you guys. There's this aspect of coming together where we demonstrate what God's like and it draws our friends. Guys, do you know what the most effective method of outreach at least among American churches, is. Do you know what the most effective method of outreach is? So touching up people's lives, touching the community. The most effective method. It's not Alpha or Christianity Explored. It's not things like VBS or children's ministry. It's not soup kitchens or after-school clubs, not concerts, not handing out tracts. All those things God uses. But the most effective method of outreach is simply inviting friends to church. Simply inviting friends to church. The most effective way to reach your community is to befriend people and invite them to church. They did a survey of uh, unchurched people, people who have no church background and would perhaps even have a negative view of Christianity. They did a survey of them and approximately 9 out of 10, 86% of them said if my friend invited me to church, I would I would go. Nine out of ten of unchurched people said, if a friend who I know, a genuine friend, invited me to church, I'd be willing to go. Nine out of ten. Now, you might think it would be like one out of ten, right? Or a half out of ten. It's nine out of ten from this, this survey done of unchurched people. If a friend who they know and trust asked them to come to church, they'd, they'd, they'd go, or they'd consider going at least. Nine out of ten. You think with that stat, the, the numbers on the other side of people who invite people to church would be pretty high. What do you think the number of Christians who invite their unchurched friends, percentage-wise, what do you think that number is? Less than that. 2% in any given year. Only 2% of people invite unchurched friends to church. Wow! And only 21% invite anybody in a given year. Now, I don't say that to scold us, self-included. 
but that our behavior might change. In light of what we're reading in Scripture, right? In light of the fact that the temple is meant to be a place of prayer for all nations. The church is meant to be a place where people come in and see the love of God and encounter God in His truth and His glory and are so affected by the ministry of the church that they understand this is not just a normal gathering here. God is here. And they're converted. They're changed. That's what's going on in 1 Corinthians 14. That person becomes a worshiper at that moment. Guys, the most effective thing we can do in terms of reaching people is to simply invite them to church to come and see. Just like Philip did with Nathaniel. Philip had met Jesus, and he went to Nathaniel and said, Hey, we've met the guy, the Messiah. And, and Nathaniel's like, Right. He's from Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. So Philip just says, Come and see. And then Nathaniel goes and meets Jesus. And then he proclaims, Surely you are the promised one. He's converted, he believes. It's the same thing, guys. That's what we do. We just invite our friends to come and see. And God does the rest. We are called just to be his people, to live in his truth, to love one another, to love the guests among us, to be who we are. And in that context, God shows himself to others. So just think what it would look like this year if each of us just invited one person, one unchurched person to church. Could you do that this year? One? Got the whole year to do it. 52 Sundays. What would God do? What about two? What about just inviting someone, making it your goal, prayerfully, God, give me one person to invite each week, if we all did that? If the scriptures are true, and they are true, we're going to see this happen. We're going to see people come to know Christ. We're going to see people change. We're going to see people come, and it's not going to be just because we told them that God's real. It's going to be because they, they saw it. They experienced God being real in church. It's no longer because of what you say. I believe now. God would do that. We gather together on Sundays to reach our friends. And finally, sorry we're going over, but Finally, we, we gathered through a biblically ordered meeting. We are instructed in Scripture how to do these things, how to do our Sunday worship. It's just not kind of however we want, shoot from the hip. There's to be order. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not a God of confusion but of peace. And then uh, all things should be done decently and in order. We're, we're called to have an order. Now, it doesn't mean we serve that order. We serve these other purposes. But the, the order is meant to serve that ultimately. God can interrupt our order and our plans for sure. Our plans are about him. But we're to plan. We're to walk in a biblically ordered worship service. That includes leadership functioning properly. It includes having the proper elements in our time. There needs to be a lesson. There needs to be hymns, uh, songs. We, we come together with prayer. We celebrate the sacraments. We do all these different things together. There's a biblical order. And as you can see, I have lots of notes on this, but we're going to skip right through it all. Uh, there, there are these orders, and I'd love if you have questions to talk about those details. The prophecy is to function properly. Prayer, all these things are, are given to us in Scripture. With the whole purpose of accomplishing what we've been talking about. So finally, let me uh, go over our new order of service, because our new order of service is an attempt to have a biblically ordered service to accomplish these goals. So if you could put that slide up, Ethan, I think... It, it's a two-column slide. Again, there we go. That may seem like a lot of information. Let me just highlight the things that are, that are going to be different starting next Sunday. Um, first, uh, 
we've moved some things around. There won't be any more, any more announcements. I'm having trouble making my mouth work today. There will be no more announcements during our service. They will go on a slide before and after, and then during the break they'll run, but there'll be no pastor or leader getting up and giving you announcements. That frees some time up. We didn't find the announcement thing in Scripture for worship element. doesn't mean you can't do it, but it's not as compelling as these other things. So we want to make room for these other things and get you announcements other ways. So in that time slot, we are going to have a pastorally-led prayer or testimony. Now, it doesn't mean that a pastor prays. He might have a congregant, someone, one of our members, come up and pray, or even break up in groups and pray, or share a testimony. We're going to use that time to do that, pray and share testimonies together. So we're looking to do that every Sunday. Um, we will have, in our order of worship, a prophetic ministry after the third song every Sunday. Uh, for the prophetic ministry team, our, our time is a little bit of a moving target for us, so we don't always know. So we're, we're going to say after the third song every time. So you know, if you're on that team, to prepare and pray, to talk to whoever is uh, supervising, hosting the time about your word, we'll, we'll seek to practice that every Sunday. Reading scripture, that's an important element uh, for that to function biblically, so we're making time to do that. We also are um, going to have a sermon every Sunday. So in case you were concerned about that, we're doing that. That's very important uh, to us in our time. Um, but we're going to have communion as well every Sunday. That's part of our goal here. Again, uh, I, we're convinced by Scripture, by wise men like John Calvin and others, that, that this should be a normal part of our Sunday worship. It's an important part of encountering God together. And I think you really have to argue hard not to have it every week. I know this historic arguments, and I've actually supported them in the past. Someone asked me recently, you know, wouldn't it, like having it every week, kind of make it rote? You know, it just would end up not treating it as important. Uh, and having it once a month or whatever, doesn't that make you value it more? And I said, that's true, but we don't take that view with things that are uh, basic nourishing sort of things, right? Like, like your uh, nice dinner, if you only had it once a month, it would be really important to you, wouldn't it? Yeah. For sure. But because you need it, you have it every day. The, the sacrament of communion is something we need. It's part of encountering God and, and strengthening us in the Lord, expressing this wonderful covenant we have in Christ. So let's have it regularly. So we'll have that after the, the sermon, normally. Uh, we'll, it'll be shortened. The time will be shortened. But it's a chance to reflect and respond to the, to the sermon though, through, through the sacrament. Because we hear the word of God, the word of God declares his truth to us. And our response to that needs to be, Lord, I come to you by grace. I'm forgiven. It's only by grace that I can respond and I can be forgiven for falling short. And it's only by grace in that I belong to you now that I can have hope to obey. So communion says all those things. Communion is a wonderful focal point to conclude a service saying, you know, his word has spoken to me. I look to him for forgiveness and failing to obey this word and for power to now obey it. And I want to most of all remember what he's done for me, going from this place, celebrating that I belong to him, that we belong to him. So it's fitting. And this is, uh, again, uh, John Calvin argued to do it this way. We think there's wisdom in that. So we're, we're doing that as well. Final points, and this is, there's a, uh, we're going to use a host pastor every Sunday. Um, and all that means is one of the guys from the pastoral team, we currently have four guys, two ordained pastors, two, Lord willing, soon-to-be-ordained pastors. Um, 
And these guys will all, each one of them will rotate. One will be a host pastor. He will be the guy that's kind of hosting the time, um, preparing some of the elements, not doing the message. We'll have a separate guy, normally me, doing the message. But the host pastor will, will, do, uh, will lead us in communion. He will lead us in the call to worship, working with the worship leaders. So the worship leaders might give the call to worship. The host pastor might do it. And really it's up to them to work it out on, on how to do that. Leading uh, in setting up prayer and testimony time and leading in the benediction, communion and benediction and closing. By doing that, we're spreading out that effort and I think it's going to improve the effort as well. It's going to improve the leadership of our Sundays. So all these things are what we're doing. Uh, and they're all related to what we talked about. I hope it makes sense. I don't want this message to be about our new order of service. I want this message to be about this truth we see in 1 Corinthians and elsewhere. That we come together to, to celebrate and experience what it means to be as people. That in that, we come together to edify. We come to worship God, to experience and worship God. We come to reach our friends. We come to follow a biblically ordered worship service. In conclusion, what I'd like to do, I know we're over time, uh, but I, I just want to take five minutes or less to pray. I want us to pray. I want us to just to kind of gather in small groups. And if you're a visitor with us or if you're uncomfortable with this, you don't have to do this. Um, we, we love having visitors. We don't want to make you uncomfortable. You can just sit and, and hang in there for five minutes. But I'd like us just to come together to pray about our Sunday worship. I just want us to pray that we would encounter God, most of all. I want us to pray that we'd build each other up. I want us to pray that we'd invite friends and see friends' lives transformed and that God would lead us in all these things. Does that make sense? Can you remember that? So let's take just the, the final five minutes, and then I'll come up and close us. Um, to pray together, just get in groups of two, three, four, five, whatever. Pray, and then we'll conclude. All right?